came to get some money. We plan on flying back tomorrow with our pockets full of your money. That's the Lord's. Ain't a lot of shouting now, but it's true. Now, remember what I said. You don't have to give it. But if you don't give it, we're not going to call you saved. So how much money are you talking about, brother? A lot. I'm being serious. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm talking about a lot of money. Hundreds of thousands. Tonight, brother? Tonight. I told somebody today, I told somebody today, you're not saved. I just told him that. And then guess what else I said? I said, if you want to get saved, you've got to write a check, a big one. I said, I, I, I thought you can't pay for salvation. You can't. That's just a good start. And put some of that money at the apostles' feet. What'll happen when we do that? Well, then that'll be at the, at the, at the convenience of the apostles. Well, what'll happen with my business? That's none of your business. In November 20. Does he sound like a scammer? Yes, he does. He wants your money. In fact, he wants your money in order for you to be saved. Now, <clears throat> someone compared it to indulgences. I would say that this is much more than indulgences. This is like, give us the money we need from you so you can stay saved right now at this moment. And if you don't give it to us, it's over. So this is stomach churning. Laura says, amen to that. <clears throat> this is stomach churning stuff. Guys, I decided to make this a project for myself for the next bit. Um, I'm going to try to get through these with bonus episodes and deal with the political things that are going on uh, on Wednesdays and maybe just touch on this at the end and keep trying to work through it. But I thought that this was really important, and so I have an entire sermon from the leader of the church of God restoration that I'm going to try to go through. And it may take several hours. Uh, I will be breaking that up into, into different episodes. So what we need to understand is that, uh, these people are very, very appealing to, uh, the freedom fighter movement. Why? Because they talk about the great reset they talk about um, they talk about not submitting to the overlords. They're trying to poison us with with shots. All these things, all these things that we would agree with. Uh, the false teacher, the false teacher does not uh, does not speak completely with error. 
The false teacher mixes truth with a lie. I believe it's a Charles Spurgeon quote that discernment is not doing the, knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And there is a lot of obviously wrong in this, but there is a lot of almost right in these sermons. And so I want to show you guys what a church service looks like uh, that they post online for us. Um, you can see, hold on, I forgot to set it up, so I have to get to the spot, but that's okay. As you can see here, this is a section of the video. There's always a lot of organizing I have to do. I do like this shot the best, but let's try, you know what? Yeah, well, let's see here. Eh, I don't know. We got others. Oh. No. Just looking at my settings. For anyone listening to this on audio, I am wasting time. Your vid is major glitchy. Okay, that's good to know. Let's try something here. That's why. I'm on the wrong internet, so I'm going to try to fix that, and that might mess some All right. Sometimes when my, when my wife moves my laptop upstairs, it connects to the slower internet, so I'm imagining that it will be better quality now. We can only hope. And it's one of those little things on my run-through that I don't always remember. So I, his sermon starts at the 40, 19-minute mark. And I need to, I need to speed him up. Because one thing I've noticed about Apostle Ray is that uh, he speaks very slowly, I think. When I put it on normal, it sounds like I'm listening to a normal pace of someone talking. Or sorry, when I put it on 1.25 speed, it sounds like the normal pace of someone talking. So I kind of want to just scroll through this with you guys to start. <clears throat> and show you guys kind of what a church service looks like for them. And of course, there's going to be loading issues now. Because... Uh, there's no sound at the start. I've noticed that they have more technical difficulties than I do. You can see the sound kind of comes in here. They kind of do like a, a gospel-y kind of acapella thing. So hopefully it's been fixed. The quality, if someone could tell me. So generally speaking, they're pretty good singers. Um, uh, they seem to put a lot of emphasis on that. I'm just going to keep skipping through it. So, 
they're going to bring up one guy here to talk at the start. So they usually have like, it seems like they have multiple speakers at, uh, at their services. Although this looks like it was a rented building. So this might be some kind of, uh, this might be some kind of conference setting. I am thankful to be living in a time of revenge. I am so glad that God has granted us to be a little part of his revenge. You know, I was thinking about it. The, the scripture says, the Lord saith, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But I'm glad that somehow he allows us to take part in that revenge that is his. I just, I just like to read a scripture in Psalm 91. Sorry, Psalm 92, verse 7. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. Saints, I am glad for this reality tonight. You know, recently it seems like the wicked have been flourishing quite a bit. So you can hear like tons, tons and tons of hype game. Someone is saying God does not condone vengeance. Well, he quotes a verse, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Um, and they are saying, you know, he's saying that he is thankful that they get to take part in that vengeance with God, which I'm not, I would say that's not biblical, but... But the God, Jesus is going to return and he is no longer going to be turning the other cheek, correct? So I'm not, I mean, like it's, it's wrong, but this isn't really even what I want to get to. I'm not even sure who this young man, this young man is. He's still congregational singing, apparently. <laughs> Obviously they didn't edit the, the, uh, the banner yet, but, um, <clears throat> I don't, I just kind of wanted you to hear what he sounds like before I get to the main section. The kings of the earth have set themselves in array against the people of God. Have that is uh, the female apostle. Done all they can, and it looks like maybe sometimes you'll notice a lot of them stand up and cheer and applaud, and I think that that partially is to help motivate um, the people in the audience that have doubt. And it's to, you know, you'd look around at these people and you'd be like, okay, no, all these people are in on it. Like, all these people are on board. Okay, I'm a, I must be wrong. It would really bolster your confidence, right? It looks like they're winning or they're, they're successful in what they're doing. But saints, it is only that they shall be destroyed forever. I want to say we can rejoice today. We don't need to be afraid of what's going to happen in the, in the world. Uh, hold on. We can rejoice because we know that God is only setting up himself for victory. See, so you see how there's, there is truth there. God is setting himself up for victory. That's true, right? But anyway, I'm going to move on. Up the enemy Let's, oh. Yeah, see, he only talked for like a couple because minutes. Because we know that God is only setting up himself. Now he's done. Okay. So, someone asks me why I'm not working right now. Because it is pouring outside, so I am not working. 
you're not working because you're on maternity leave right now. The joke is that it's a man. So we're going to get to the next section here. More singing. So, sometimes they kind of do like a, uh, it's almost like uh, reggae sounding acapella music. Uh, like, um, like you'll have sound effects coming from some of the members. Now, this isn't anything wrong. It's, oh, it's their special singing section. So, you can see Josh in the comments is saying, Pat, Pat, Paternity. Yeah, no. G- Get it right, maternity. It's for the women. I mean, I guess they do have paternity when, like, there's two males, but you know that would be different, right? This is awesome. You dealing with the wrong amigo. No, I did not take paternity leave. I took my vacation days for two weeks. That's what I did. You didn't that would be called a vacation. With the wrong compadre. This is real. So, obviously, you can see that the special singing is uh, is 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 weird for sure. Um, I mean, it's not heretical or anything, but I just wanted you guys to see that. So anyway, he starts. We'll get him up here. There's a lot going on. Uh, uh, are they still? Oh, they're just getting ready. So. Famous last message of Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, okay, hold on. So remember, this is the big cheese now. He is the man who is perfect. He is like a god to them. They kneel to him. I greet you this morning in the na- or this evening in the name. Oh, and I have to speed him up, I remember. Because I didn't want everything else to sound weird, but I got to speed him up. So he's on 1.25 playback speed. Of our Lord and Savior. You can be seated. Would tonight, that my memory would allow me to quote to you the famous last message of Dr. Martin Luther King, the portion of which he said that if the Almighty would give him the opportunity to span the time of the human race in a panoramic view. He said so beautifully as he walked through the course of man, talked about the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt, and beautifully walked himself, walked walked his audience through to his present day. He said that. Also, I'd like to point out today that my mug is 
Bacon gives me reason to get out of bed. Thank you to the Walters, Walters for this mug. He would ask God to allow him to live in a little bit of time in the last part of the 20th century. I would like to, on the back of that, say that if God Almighty would have given me that opportunity, that I... Jesse is mad that he shaves his mustache off. I did notice that. It's kind of an Islamic look. Uh, I I think it's stylistic, though, because a lot of them have upper lip stashes. Also bypass... Still slow on 1.25. It is. It definitely is. Some of the most great and significant points of the human history. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip some of this. So talks about hoping. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're gonna go to 40:19 because this is taking way too long. <sighs> There we go. To be a hindrance to you. I believe that we have come to the climax of our time that we're living in. This is the same cult for anyone who's in there. This is the Church of God Restoration, which is Pastor Hildebrandt, Henry Hildebrandt's church, and the recently arrested um, Tobias Tissens church. So if you're seeing them in the media, this is what they believe and what they teach. Men. We have a beautiful time, an exciting time, and if tonight, and you certainly do, and if tonight you consider me as your leader, and I trust that you've looked beyond Washington, D.C., and I trust you've looked beyond Ottawa, and I trust you look beyond Mexico City and other capitals of the world, and that by now, through the preaching that you have heard in the past few years, that you've looked past that, and you realize that your real leaders, not only your real leaders, but the leaders of the world, and that of deliverance won't come through Washington, D.C. and won't come through Ottawa or won't come through other capital cities of the world. But if there's going to be a deliverance to rise in this time, it's going to arise by the leaders that are in front of you. So they are going to be the leaders of the world. Those men standing in front of you, those men and women, obviously, we can't forget her. I'm going to make sure we're inclusive. Are... Those are the leaders of the world, according to him. That's what he said. It's not going to arise through anything else. Which, again, why are you not pointing them to Christ? We don't follow Washington. We don't follow any of these man-made leaders, right? These appointed leaders are not our real leader if we are in Christ. He is pointing them to him instead of these men. So he is doing the same thing that they are. He wants to be a god to you. We have come to a time when now it's time for you. Someone's asking why there's only nine of them. Well, so Henry Hildebrandt is the apostle of Canada. I assume there might be one in Mexico that can't be there because they seem to have a foothold in Mexico. Um, And yeah, they're just spread out. And sometimes they don't have a full 11 or 12 or whatever they need. Um, 
I'm not totally sure. I don't know why the numbers are off. To put words where faith has been. That was awesome. Talk is cheap. Talking about problems and talking about problems of the world doesn't mean anything unless there's a solution to that problem. And we know the solution to that problem. We have found it in Christ. We have found it in his people. And we have found it in the restoration of judges in the church of God. Bear with me tonight as I'd like to walk you through a little bit of history. Turn with me to Exodus chapter number 7. All right, this is what I wanted Exodus to get to. Exodus chapter number 7. You'll notice he does something here right away. What's he getting? We'll start reading at verse number 8. What is he I getting? That we understand the context of this particular time in history. It is the book of Exodus, which would tend to help us to remember. So you'll notice he put on glasses. Now, if you recall from the last video, um, he is perfect, first of all. Also, they're not allowed to seek medical attention. And I don't know why correcting your vision would not be that. Um, you know, you could lose your salvation if you get treated for a heart attack, is what he told the one guy who asked a question. But he is allowed to wear glasses to read like, if it were me, I would hide that, and I'd buy a jumbo print King James Version, and then we'd be good. No one would have to know. But he has chosen to wear glasses. Remember that we're talking about the exodus of the people of God or the deliverance. So, if you'd like, go to Exodus 7, and we're going to see how he handles this. And he's starting in verse 8, not the beginning of the chapter, for context. Of the people of God out of Egypt... God had done some work and worked miraculously through a little child we know as Moses who was, should have been killed or they wanted to kill and God through his divine power. So he says that they, uh, God worked a miracle through Moses as a child. I would not word it like that. God preserved Moses miraculously by hiding him and then through god's sovereignty he ended up in a basket that was found by pharaoh's daughter which he says is a little girl at the time i don't know how he comes to that conclusion i read back that's in exodus 2 and i did not see any reference to her being a little girl we'll listen though and make sure i'm right that he did word it like that or work so that he was seen by some little girl who took there you him go. in and made him a grandson to Pharaoh through the course of time. Honestly, I love I love that area's accent. Pharaoh, I love that. I think he's got a cool accent for sure. Just, I can't help it. Moses looked on to the Hebrew children and saw their distresses, saw that they were being abused by the Egyptians, and God put it in his heart that he would rather suffer the afflictions with the people of God then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And had taken the understanding that he had gotten from Pharaoh's house and by the Holy Ghost being moved with power by the Holy Ghost and with this understanding he received from Egypt, God called him to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of Pharaoh. So I don't, I, I, I didn't actually notice this until just now. I don't know what he's talking about that uh, he got understanding from Pharaoh's house that he needed to go to go do that like to go free the the slaves 
Um, it says that he's traveling along and he sees uh, an Egyptian being cruel to a Jew, an Israelite, and uh, that that's all. I I don't I don't um I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't know where he's getting it from. Uh, uh, there's nothing about him getting stuff from the from the from the Pharaoh's house. That's not that's not in the text. That was no easy task, and we are breaking into a part of this. We have Moses and Aaron who is speaking to Pharaoh. We're breaking into a part of it. That is a good way to put it. And we pick up in verse number eight. The scripture says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord hath commanded, and Aaron did cast his rod before Pharaoh and before his servant, servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. And they also did in like manner with their enchantments. And they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. And Someone is asking, did I not start at the very beginning? I started at the very beginning of his sermon. Um, I showed the start of the service. I showed the music in the service. Um, we are listening. I'm about to listen. Someone in the comments is wondering if I'm listening to the whole thing. You're about to find out from this section that this man has no ability or a desire to manipulate the text. He has either no ability to read it and understand it, or, or he is being deliberately deceptive and because he is the most perfect person on the planet right now uh or says it um a full week starting october 4th okay so that's that's awesome but you're going to see right now what the issues are with what he's saying about the bible aaron's rods swallowed up their rods it has always been that the enemies of God has sought to hijack the very plan of God. And we see here... He's really going to key in on the hijacking thing. That's kind of the theme of the sermon as it progresses. So just keep that in mind. He's using this to talk about hijacking God's plan. There's a notable miracle that God began to talk to Moses and talk to Aaron and he wanted them to show a sign to Pharaoh to see something that was supernatural or beyond the human possibility to do. Right. And when Pharaoh would ask for them a sign or when Pharaoh would ask for a miracle, Aaron cast his rod, his dead dry stick down before Pharaoh and it would turn into a serpent. I would think that if I was there, I would say, Oh, surely thou hast spoken the words of God. But instead of doing that, Pharaoh then called together his people and his munition, his uh, 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 sorcerers and his men and told them to do the same. <clears throat> when doing the same, their serpents also 
or their rods also became a serpent. <clears throat> we could talk about Aaron's, rod, Aaron's serpent swallowing up that of Pharaoh's but, and his men, but we're not going to focus on that right now. You're definitely going to find out why he's not going to focus on that. Because if he focused on that, that the snakes are consumed by Aaron's staff, um, if he focused on that, you would know that what he's saying after that is completely wrong. And I will explain that shortly. Pharaoh attempted to hijack and to some degree successfully hijack the wheel, the plan, and the so that word is will, not wheel. It's his accent. I, I actually had to listen to it a couple times. So we're going to stop right there for now. And we'll come back to it in a minute. Um, so God, God's plan is to some degree able to be hijacked is what he's using this text to show. Well, we should start in the start of the chapter, right? So let's read from the beginning of chapter seven, the chapter that he's reading from. It starts like this. This is the NASB, not the KJV. So then the Lord said to Moses, see, I make you as God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh. And he let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. That would be an important thing to read before you jump in at verse 8, God's plan was to do something so that Pharaoh's heart would be hardened so that God could multiply his signs and wonders in Egypt. That was always the plan. So look, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt, by great judgments. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So this snake sign was never meant to to lead to the release of Egypt right off the bat. It was to harden Pharaoh's heart. That was the plan. So was God's plan successfully hijacked or even partially successfully hijacked? The answer is no. So we have to figure out, is he wrong about how he's reading the Bible or is he deliberately manipulating a text to push his own agenda? I lean heavily to the latter. So, we go on. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So, now the Lord, no, we're in verse 8 where he started. 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Work a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did, just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. He did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. God's plan was never to listen to him. Ray Tinsman's whole thrust of everything he's going to say from this point is based on the fact that if he would have seen what happened, he would have bowed down and worshiped God. But Pharaoh, to some degree, thwarts God's initial plan. This section says that his plan, God's plan, was for Pharaoh to reject it. Now, just think about what happens there. Aaron tosses down his staff. It miraculously turns into a snake. The sorcerers come out. They turn their staffs into a snake, which would have been some sort of false miracle or even imbued by demonic powers. Somehow, it may even have been a real miracle. I don't know. But what happens? God's staff consumes the other snakes, showing that God... God's miracles, God's plan is going to consume Pharaoh's plan. God is going to destroy anything that Pharaoh can throw at him or imitate. That's what's happening there. So, we can go on now. Now that we know that the thrust of his entire argument from Exodus 7 is wrong... Everything he goes on to that's based on that hijacking concept is wrong. That's it. End of discussion. But now we want to figure out if it's deliberately manipulative or is he just bad at reading the Bible and unqualified to be a teacher? Maybe we'll be able to figure that out from this sermon. Maybe we won't. Power of Almighty God. He did not thwart his plan at all. No small thing. Not even a little bit did he do that. To cast down the dry stick and it become a serpent. Whether that was Aaron's rod or whether it was the rod of the people of Pharaoh, it was a very significant thing that took. You know who else thinks he can thwart God's plan? Satan does. Just as a side note place wickedness and evil by their very nature in fact wickedness is only wicked because it is found trying to hijack what God has set in his divine order wickedness is only wickedness 
by opposing what God has uh, set in his divine order. Okay, if you oppose anything God has done, it is wickedness. Okay, okay I can get behind that. In fact, there is no wickedness and there is no evil that is found outside of that divine principle. The way he's phrased it, I, would, I think I still agree with that, right? I think. Even when you're tempted to sin, your temptation to sin is found in the wickedness of that temptation. Not that you are wicked by being tempted, but the presentation of the wicked temptation is found in that the temptation presents itself. Okay, that is a really confusing line of words, but what I get from that is that the thing that you desire is what's bad, not you. I believe that he is teaching that the Bible would say that the heart is deceitfully wicked, that we are born dead in our sins and trespasses. Romans three says that. Um, so you pursue wicked things because you're a sinner. Um, I, so I, 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 I think he's teaching that man is basically morally good there, but it's not really the main thrust of anything he's saying, but I think that's what he's teaching. And then the the back and forth between wickedness and the temptation, the wickedness and the temptation all, uh, can kind of confuses me and I can't even track what he's saying. So I'm just going to keep going. As a good alternative Amen. to what God has called Amen. for you to be. Amen. It was this wicked temptation that presented itself to the our father and our mother in the beginning in the garden. Here we have man in a perfect in a perfect state, man in a beautiful situation found in the garden that God had made for them. And the enemy comes in the form of a serpent and tempts Eve with the thought that they could preempt or that they could change or that they would have the ability to alter the will and the divine plan of God for their life. It wasn't so much that it was the fruit that was wicked, but it was the fact that they were told that if you do eat of the fruit, you could become like God. Honestly, it's hard to track what he's even saying. Uh, I'm going to try to, I'm just going to try to backtrack a bit and listen to this again. As a good alternative to what God has called for you to be. For what God has called you to be. So... Looking, they looked at the temptation presented by the serpent, I think is what he's talking about, as a good as a good alternative for what God has called you to be. Okay. It was this wicked temptation that presented itself to the, our father and our mother in the beginning. In so it is the wicked temptation being presented to them that is the bad thing, not not the people acting upon it is that that's what it sounds like he's teaching the garden here we have man in a perfect in a perfect state man in a beautiful situation found in the garden that god had made for them and the enemy comes in the form of a serpent and tempts eve with the thought that they could preempt or that they could change or that they would have the ability to alter the will and the divine plan of God for their life. Okay, but you said that 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 you can 
do that. You can oppose God's plan and hijack it. Uh, I'm not sure if he's saying that now that you can't do that. I'm not sure. It wasn't so much that it was the fruit that was wicked, but it was the fact that they were told that if you do eat of the fruit. It's very obviously not the fruit that is wicked. The fruit is not wicked. Uh, the person committing the sin is wicked. You could become like God. Which was a lie, but also not totally a lie because you would have knowledge of good and evil. So it did give us that knowledge of good and evil, but that was to our detriment. And because we sinned against God, we fell, right? There's never been a backslider that have left the camp of the holy that hasn't been presented with the exact same scenario. So anything that is bidding you to leave their group is a wicked temptation that you must resist. Just like Adam and Eve were supposed to resist the temptation, the wicked temptation presented by Satan in the garden, the serpent in the garden, right? I think is what he's saying. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to misrepresent him. I do want to show that he's very wrong, though. You've never been tempted, except the temptation has come. That it were possible that you could be happy. When real happiness and when real pleasure is found at his right hand. I would love to know what Ray Tinsman believes is at God's right hand. I, I want to know what it is. I believe it's probably them or him, but I, I, I don't think he says that. Outside of his right hand is not real pleasure and not real happiness, but the temptation presents itself that you, you can find real happiness outside of the right hand of Almighty God. Hijacking. Tonight I'm angry. Thank the Lord that he is angry. So one thing, just to note, you'll see how they all stand up there with him and they just keep agreeing with him. You'll actually see at points where it doesn't even really look like they're listening, um, especially Stephen Hargrave. And I think her name, her last name is Opal. Is it Maggie Opal? I'm sorry if I get the name wrong. But uh, it doesn't even really look like they're paying attention at some points, but they're going, yes, brother, yes, yes. Yes, brother. Like, it's all by rote and repetition and just doing it without even really listening. I'm angry because multitudes tonight have been fooled. We're living in a world that's in a stupor. Who have been fooled by a false thought that they could hijack god's plan that is true I could spend those people exist we could talk about the kings of the earth they did not make up on their own the understanding to control the masses the ability Oh, the sound cuts out, but he fixes it really quick. How to manipulate and how to control. Is this on? How to control 
the masses did not come from the devil. That's right. That's Amen. Right. That's right, brother. Brother, that's right. Amen. You're right. We missed a little. Amen, brother. Having the ability to speak, you need this? Having the ability to speak and to influence a whole nation and a whole world did not come from the devil. That's right. Amen. God had set it so that man should be leaders and men should be leaders of other men and there ought to be fathers that, were ri that had, uh, had risen up and there was a hierarchy that God had, divine, has had, had made starting with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. And in the fall, there were men who should have been leaders for God. Okay, so that's really interesting. In the fall, there were men that should have been leaders for God. Men, plural. Um, that one is confusing. I'm not, I, again, I, I don't know if it's just how he talks or what's going on there, but he is saying plural men in the fall. In the fall, there was only one man. There was Adam and Eve, and that is when the fall of mankind occurred was through Adam. Should have been mouthpieces for God. Again, plural should have been those that were influential for God, took what God had ordained, both in the gifting of the individual and in the knowledge to know how to do it, and they have hijacked it and have used it for wicked causes. See, so what we're, where we're starting to go with this is that it is clear that a lot of this sounds good to us. A lot of this is going to sound good to people in a freedom fighter movement who um, have Christian lingo worked into the way they talk, they believe in God, that kind of stuff, and he's coming along and, and confirming what they believe about these evil people, and you're going to see him confirm it more and more. He really, really dislikes Bill Gates, which is... Very understandable, obviously. We're not Bill Gates fans here either. But he is coming along and he is giving you an alternative for leadership. And that leadership is him. It's not that I'm just angry so much at Twitter and at Facebook <clears throat> because they influence the masses, but I'm angry because they've taken that that belong to God. Yes. And have made it evil. Our televisions. Was it that the invention of television is so wicked? And I hate the television. But I hate it not because of its invention. I hate it because it's been hijacked and caused people to believe a lie and be damned. See, so again, that sentiment of what's been put on TV being evil... Um, is very agreeable to anyone who's in this freedom fighter side of things. We know that the media lies, manipulates all that stuff. Right. And so again, this is, we can get behind a lot of what he's saying here. TV is generally bad, right? Um, now what's interesting is he uses the hijacking term and keep in mind the context of hijacking for him was someone hijacking God's plan. So was uh, the TV, B 
being used for good in God's plan and people have hijacked it. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. You get what I'm saying? If he's still using the hijacking term, that means that originally God would have intended it for good. Uh, and man has hijacked it for evil, but I don't believe that the TV was created for good because it was created by sinners making it right. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, again, he's using that hijack term. So we want to hold him to what the context of hijacking meant when he said it in context of his sermon. It's a television that has forwarded the idea of what is beautiful and what is not beautiful rather than the scriptures and rather than the creation that God has intended for it to be. This hijacking has been going on for a long time. There have been many people who have looked towards the United States of America and have thought it to be Zion. Again, that is true. There are people that think that think America is Zion. Now, if you go back to my earlier video, um, the one right before this, uh, Stephen Hargrave says that, what? The New Jerusalem is in Greenville, Ohio, right? So that would be Zion. So they believe that Zion is in a one specific spot in the U.S. So, I mean, I guess these people aren't that wrong. Uh, the people that he's about to argue against, they're not that wrong, because at least they got the right country, according to them. Zion is in the U.S. Not only that, it has been the fathers of this country and leaders throughout the course of the history of this country has used and quoted scriptures that belong to Zion and had quoted scriptures for themselves and for this country that actually belong to Zion, such as we are a city that is set on a hill. So bolden. Right, so we know based on context on what their theology is, when he says we there, he is talking about them. I see where he's going. Hijacking, that's coming up. So what happened there? He hijacked, uh, man has hijacked where Zion is or who Zion is about or what that means. Saying it's about the United States when actually it's about them, right? Was this thought that they even proclaimed to the world to send us your huddled masses. Yeah, that's right. So the U.S. using the slogan of send us your huddled masses uh, is apparently hijacking that the U.S. is Zion. Um, I have no evidence to show that the people that came up with that term um, had anything to do with Zion. Are believing that the U.S. is Zion, right? Promising them. Also, guys, if you could like and share this video and follow me on my other accounts as a side as a side note. Um, 
I am live on Twitter now, so if you want to watch me on Twitter, you can as well. Um, I only have 150 followers on Twitter, but um, you can go check that out. It's on Twitter as well, so go share it to your own Twitters and just spread the word about what I am trying to expose here. If they could land upon the shores of Ellis Island, that they would be granted a fair and equal opportunity to the pursuit of life and happiness while building the economy on the backs of the huddle masses. I mean, okay, again, a sentiment I can get behind. Bringing people here and building on the backs of them or sorry, to America, and then those elites, because that's who he's going to start talking about right away, using those people to build the economy and make themselves rich. That definitely has happened. So, again, if you're in this freedom fighter, rah, rah, take on the globalist elite people, a lot of this is going to sound good to you. That they had promised to give deliverance to. few hours ago several officers gathered to one of our sister's homes in Steinbach, Manitoba defenseless small in stature Steinbach, Manitoba is where Tobias Tissen is, uh, is a prophet I believe of his church to issue $5,000 ticket because they met last Sunday to worship. Last night at about this time, the officers had gathered to one of our young ministers' homes and through deceit wrote two tickets. while proclaiming they love the community. Wrote two tickets. And I'm reminded, my own grandfather spent time in prison. So again, another message we can get behind, right? The fact that people have been arrested uh, and what they're being arrested and fined for and you know, the pol feeling betrayed by police because they're supposed to love the community. They're doing it in the name of love for the community. These are all sentiments we can get behind, right? A lot of this one is just listening to him talk um, because there's really not that much uh, Bible use going on for most of it. But we're, we're just going to plow through it. Because he refused to give a vaccination to my mother okay, in this on. free country. I rewound it. While proclaiming yeah. they love the community. Sorry, I went back a little far. And I'm reminded. My own grandfather spent time in prison because he refused to give a vaccination to my mother 
in this free country. Huh. I'd love to know. Mine goes on further back. I would love to know the story behind that because I, I don't I don't know what he's referring to. That'd be really that'd be an actual interesting story, if true, which it probably is. The very people that coined the saying that all men are created equal enslaved thousands of those same men calling them three-fifths of a man and property that belong to another man I'm so again that's American history um, uh, it's not a subject that I'm well versed on but I imagine that that is basically true you know um, these people were at the time saying all men are created equal and so then you have to say that some men are not equal or these men specifically are, are worth less and so yeah he's he's basically setting it up that like america is a sham and um that they you know need to turn to him i believe is the direction he's going we'll we'll find out tired of the hypocrisy tired of the false imagery imagery I'm tired of the deceit I'm tired of the hijacking I'm tired of what is presented to be a concern yes, yes, 2020 has been good for us yes, the things of which we are dealing with today if one year ago we talked about, some of us would perhaps have laughed. They're stripping from us liberty that had been endowed to us by our Creator and by their own professions. And they have just started. Again, lots of agreement here. They, have intent, they, have, they are attempting to change who God made us to really be by feminizing men. There's something about a man that's not to be messed with. Again, amen, right? Feminizing men is bad. Men are to be masculine. Messing with men is bad. He doesn't really talk about women, but I'm not. I'm not going to hold that against him totally. The point is, is that again, there's there's so much truth here, but we already know that he abuses Bible texts to push his agenda, and we are going to get to some more Bible verses eventually here. we can feminize them and make them behave like women through their phony vaccinations so feminization is coming through shots uh, that 
has been one argument I've heard about other shots um, as well. So you see, again, not pro-COVID stuff or very anti-COVID stuff. So again, it's another thing that a lot of us would agree with, right? Delivering a poison. Amen. Even calling it poison. I can get on board with that. Now, this present day, they're talking about and is going to make it first available to the Native Americans and the Black Americans. So remember, this is in November of 2020, so it's getting close to almost a year ago. And that was true. They did make those vaccines available to two ethnic minorities first. That was first. They did the same thing in Canada. It was for the elderly and indigenous first. I'm telling you, history is repeating itself. Or and yes, I also believe that that was targeted and deliberate. Now he's going to say history is repeating itself or has never stopped or history has never stopped. Amen. Again, more sentiment I can agree with. <clears throat> a phone call today from an anonymous person telling me that I make them sick and if they were really informed they have been made sick a long time ago in Revelation chapter number 16 we'll read briefly We'll move right on to our burden tonight. What is the burden? Revelation chapter. Okay, so that is, it seems like that is a section of their, um, of their services. It's called the burden, and I don't know what that means. I'm very interested. So I'm going to Revelation 16 with him, and we're going to see what he's going to do here. Now let's see what time we're at. Okay, no, we're okay. Chapter number 16. Very, very familiar. Verse number 14, we'll read. Again, glasses on. That would be seeking medical attention, in my opinion. So, Revelation 16, 14. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like... Hey, he starts at 13. Okay, that's good. Get, giving some, Giving some context frogs in case you haven't noticed we're so verse 13 says in the nasb and i saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs so does he not start at the very beginning of verse 13 or maybe that's just the king james version is worded backwards there frogs with the name of bill Okay. Here we go. Very, very familiar. Verse number 14, we'll read. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. In case you haven't noticed, we're dealing with frogs. Amen. Frogs who... Yeah, so... Th there's like a whole section missing there. 
Um, there's like a whole section missing there from verse 13 that he just skipped. Revelation 16, 13. In the KJV it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So, and I saw coming out of the mouth. Okay, so it is just a wording issue with the KJV. Um, but he, I don't think, yeah, hold on, let's just keep going. Okay, so there's nothing there. My bad. He is just reading out of the KJV, which is worded differently. Darkness, more than light. Hold on. Frog. We're going to do it one more time. Sorry. Revelation chapter number 16. Very, very familiar. Verse number 14 we'll read. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. In case you haven't noticed. We're dealing with frogs. Amen. Do you notice how they're constantly scanning the audience? Like, look at uh, Miss Opal, we'll call her, because I I don't want to keep getting her first name wrong if I'm wrong about it. But um, notice how they just scan the audience, looking. It's almost like they're just making sure everyone's paying attention. Like, it is a, this is a wild way to do things with them all standing up there at the front. Frogs who rather darkness... More than light. Okay, so in the book of Revelation, starting in, uh, or in chapter 16, you see these frog demons coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. These are demons coming out of them, and he's kind of using it to just make a broad statement about all these evil people that have, like, demon frogs or something. We'll, we'll hear it. We'll hear it. Frogs in Washington, D.C., Frogs like the name of Tony Fauci. I mean, that guy definitely could have a demon frog. Let's be serious. <laughs> but um, he's kind of using this verse to just say, everybody, all these people are frogs. He's got frogs, they're demon frogs, and this is all of these people. And that's not what this is talking about, right? It's not to be used as a broad sweeping statement of, all people's condition, right? Frogs with the name of Bill and Melinda Gates. Also think that they are demon frogs. frogs. They're unclean frogs. They don't love you. They're not concerned about your health. Again, that is true that they do not love you, nor are they concerned about your health. That I would definitely agree with again. They don't care anything about you. Also agree. They're frogs. These are wicked men who were made to be destroyed. Wicked men who are made to be destroyed. That's interesting theologically. I I just wish I could really dig into like what, like some background on some of the conclusions he comes to. This definitely makes me want to listen to them a lot more. Not in a way that I'm convinced by anything they're saying, just that they're super interesting. Unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Beth says, I need to make the phrase demon frog a thing. I agree. 
out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets. Listen, for they are spirits of... Okay, he did deal with that section of verse 13 now, right? Okay, he did. Devils. Working miracles. Like vaccination miracles. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's... Uh... If that's what they're referring to there, um, again, see, he's applying these demon for this this frog demon thing to all these people, and then saying they're working miracles like the false prophet and the beast, um, and uh, yeah, and saying that. Um, hold on, how did he put it? I wish I could just go back fifteen. The mouth of the false prophets. Listen, for they are spirits of devils. Working miracles, like vaccination miracles. Yeah, see, so the beast and the false prophet and the dragon are going to work miracles that they're trying to emulate God's miracles because they are false versions of the real thing. And again... You could go back to Exodus 7, actually, and see that that's exactly what happened with Pharaoh, right? Actually, there's really there's there's actually a really cool comparison there now that I think about it. Pharaoh made false miracles and cast down their snakes, and then God's snake consumed their snakes. And what is going to happen to the false prophet? <sighs> what is going to happen to the false prophet and the beast? They're going to do false miracles, and then at some point, they're going to be scooped up by God and thrown into hell, the lake of fire. So, um, that's a really interesting analogy, but he is using these verses to try and make some kind of point that vaccinations are a false miracle. Now, they are definitely, I definitely put no medical, um, I don't believe in them that's for sure i definitely don't believe in these these shots um but i don't think that these are the false miracles of revelation 16 uh that are that are being talked about in revelation 16 you can go read the chapter yourself and i don't think there's any um orthodox eschatological view that is going to agree with how this man is using those texts Orthodox would just be believers that disagree on eschatology um, is what I mean. So, you know, within orthodoxy, uh, so pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill are all within the realm of orthodoxy, in my opinion. And so I don't think anyone in those camps would like what he's doing with this section of scripture even though we would all disagree as well. Which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. And so this is, um, this is basically where I got to in my notes. Uh, actually it was 5851 is where I left off and we're at 104 in the video. Um, 
there are some things that I missed in his sermon. Um, one thing I missed is when he was talking about the tree and saying that it was wicked or talking about the wickedness of the tree. It's And he says, it's not so much that the fruit was wicked. And then I, I believe what I said was no one believes the fruit is wicked. I actually put in my notes here that he's actually implying that the fruit itself is wicked. I think so that was something that was interesting just to go back to that because I have it here. And then, um, that is not me. Someone is asking if that is me. It is not me. This is Ray Tinsman, um, chief apostle of the church of God and leader of men like Henry Hildebrand and Tobias Tissen. So yes, he compared leaving the church to eating the fruit from the tree, um, that God said for us not to eat from. And, um, the right hand seems to be this church. So when he was using that right hand terminology, I came to the conclusion that he must be talking about them and also they are Zion. So realistically, he's going to say, um, honestly, this is like a over the top replacement theology. <laughs> and I know my friends hate that term. I have friends that hate that term, but in this context, this is some, this is some over the top and over-realized replacement theology where everything comes back to them more akin to Roman Catholicism than anything in that regard, that everything in the old Testament, everything always circles back to them. There's a section of scripture from the, about the 12 apostles. That's talking about these 12 apostles. It's very bad stuff. Mighty turn with me. To Revelation chapter 19. Let's see what he does with this. We have the white horse rider. We have the armies that follow him. Which is Jesus. We get down to verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Prior to here, we have read about, in verse 13, talks about the white horse rider who had his clothes, his, his vesture dipped in blood. Verse 14 talks about the armies which are in heaven follow him. That's talking about us. Yes, sir. But there's another side. Yes, sir. And right now I want to talk about the other side. Hold on a second here. This angel standing. I mean, I assume he would elaborate on that, but what does it say about these armies? Um, and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. I'd love to know why they all wear, have to wear like black now and why later in heaven they'll wear white. I would love to hear an explanation on that. Like I'm not even, that's, I'd like to know why they're all wearing black now when they believe that this is talking about them, their church specifically. And they'll all be wearing white later. I want you to know that the preaching that you have been hearing, the preaching that I'm preaching now, the preaching that you've heard in other meetings, the preaching you've been hearing for the last few meetings, the preaching has been summed up in one, really in one little scripture here. And it's a call, it's a call to the fowls of the air. Someone is saying that um, they listen to their sermon 
and they felt in their spirit and Bible they are a deception. Yeah, so basically what it comes down to is just knowing your Bible well so that when you hear people speaking about it, you can say, wow, that doesn't sound right, and you can go check. And so one of the biggest things we can do is just do what I did with the Exodus section. He starts in verse 8. He says something that is teaching. You go read the whole chapter and just see if what he's saying is accurate about that chapter because sometimes people can jump in because they just don't want to read the first part of it and they're not being deceptive or they're not teaching error. They're just skipping it for time's sake, but but they're teaching what it says in context. I believe that we've demonstrated that that is not what he did with Exodus 7. He used a small section of it to teach his own agenda. And it calls them together. All these unclean spirits get together. Amen. That ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Tonight we are engaged, whether you like it or not. Do you notice that he said... uh... He has not said who's sitting on the white horse yet. And that sticks out to me as something. And then he switches really quickly to we. Uh, we are faced with this. And he's talking about these armies. And this is this is a specific event that happens in Revelation. This is a specific event where Jesus has returned with his heavenly armies. And he is now opposing the beast in a showdown. And the beast has his armies, and there is a big face-off happening here. Now, whether you think that that is a literal battle or not, which I do, what he is doing with the text and using it to say, we this, and we're about to do this, and we're seeing this, is wrong. Whether you can, whether you would rather it not be the case or not, we are engaged in a conflict, and it's a conflict between the kings of the earth and their armies and the white horse and his army. Yeah, that's not using it in its proper context. Yes, we are engaged in a battle. As believers, we are engaged in a battle right now. We are. But that is not this battle. This battle is a real battle. That will happen in history with Jesus leading it physically. There has never been a war that has been fought. There's never been a world war that has been fought that is more intense tonight than the war in which you and I are engaged in. I actually, again, I believe that what we are facing is much worse than World War One and Two. So again... More and more things we can agree with. So he, he kind of wrongly uses scripture to rally people behind his message that m- we would mostly agree with, right? They've 
gather together as their nature is. All and as the nature of the gospel is to do. All them that hate the white horse rider and his armies. Still has not gotten to who the white horse rider is. I would like to know. Revelation chapter 20. <sighs> Verse number 7. And when the thousand years are expired. Yes. That is right now. Yes. Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go out to deceive the nation. The thousand years is ending right now? You missed a whole bunch of stuff there, bud. There's going to be an army. Jesus is coming back. He's going to fight that army. Throw throw them into the pit. Throw Satan and the beast and the false prophet into hell, and then they're going to be released. He jumps, doesn't explain any of that stuff, and goes straight to... There's a thousand year imprisonment of Satan and then he's going to be freed and that is somehow right now and he doesn't justify or explain any of that stuff in between. So let's just start at chapter 20. Actually, no, we'll start at verse 20 of 19 and it says, and the beast was seized. And with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. This is uh, chapter 20 verse 1 holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. So... During this thousand-year imprisonment of Satan, the, the nations will not be deceived. So, for people with different eschatological views in general, um, you're not going to like, uh, you're not going to agree with me on this either, but at least we're working through the text together, not skipping major portions to push our points. So, Satan... We'll have no power to deceive the nations uh, during this thousand-year imprisonment. Um, when I look outside at the current state of affairs, I would say that we are seeing many deceived nations right now. This has nothing to do with Ray Tinsman. Very, very, very much deceived. The majority of the planet is deceived. The majority of the planet wants you enslaved wants you to get rid of your bodily autonomy, and basically hates you if you oppose that. We are under a great deception. I would say that Satan is not bound. If you believe that, um, I guess you can just accuse me of doing newspaper exegesis. 
But uh, you show me how the nations aren't deceived then. Okay? So anyway. um, So after the thousand years are completed... Uh, It says, after these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed... Satan will be released from his prison. So Christ will be reigning during that thousand years and those who were martyred will be reigning with him. So this man, how does he get to this point to say that that is happening currently, that we are now in that time? It's impossible. It does not work. It's, it's not accurate. He's wrong. So, and then it says, verse 8, And will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. So again, once Satan is released, we will be under a great deception. Um, maybe he is making the argument that Satan has just been released, and that is why we are under a great deception again. Maybe that is his point, but he would still be wrong in my opinion, based on the rest of chapter 20, because I do not believe Satan has been bound yet. Nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. This is what we are. Compassed. Uh, compassed and maybe that is an accent thing or maybe he wasn't sure how to use the word but the word in the kjv compassed means to circle or circle around or go around so encircled there it would be compassed just for your information we are seeing that's right yes sir brother it's not armies it's not tanks it's not guns and and it may include that but these are people that have encamped, they have encompassed the camp of the saints, and they're still yet trying tonight to hijack the city of God. Amen. Which would Actually, be them. Which brings me to my very points. Preach, brother. Tonight they're trying to hijack the very city of God. The place that God has meant for man to be. The place that is the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. The place where man finds out who he really is and becomes one with God and that makes preparation for the great judgment day of God. I would imagine that's either their church or the physical location of Zion or New Jerusalem in Greenville, Ohio. I'm not sure, though, but maybe we'll find out. We could read on. And I'm not tonight. Don't need to, but we could read on. We know what happens. He's not reading on, as usual. Thank God for the fire. Yes. 
I want you to know that I believe that that fire, in part, even in large part, if not entirely, is coming from the preliminary judgment of exposing these deceivers. The worst fire that can be placed. See, like, when they cheer like that, it seems like they're really trying to convince themselves sometimes. And um, one thing I found with all, all these groups is there's a massive focus on the end. There's a massive focus on avoiding fire and judgment. And you see he's being thankful for it because it's going to purge all the evil people. But realistically, a lot of this revolves around um, making sure that you're not one of those people. And they, and recall from my first video, they have the ability to determine whether you are going to hell or going to heaven, right? It's very important that you remember that in the context that you, that you remember that in the context of this sermon, they are the ones who grant you salvation or deny you salvation. Based upon Tony Fauci and yes, upon sir. Bill Gates, it's not so much a bullet, it is not so much some handcuffs, but the real fire is the exposing of the And I want you to know tonight we're doing just that. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And we might be small in number here tonight, but we still won't be small in number because I believe that God has 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Tony Fauci. I mean, I don't like the use of um, of uh, First Kings, the the um, the seven thousand men, and then it's requoted in Romans nine. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if he's using that properly, but I could see how you'd use it in the context of just like, you know, you think you're alone, but you're not. God preserve 7,000 then um, you could do it now right like you know with what's going on right now the government wants us to think we're alone think we're uh, outnumbered think we're completely outnumbered honestly and yet there has many there are many people that are on our side right and so he could be using it like that I suppose but um, based on the use of the uh, the Bible verses uh currently uh I would not I would not put much stake in that. Or to Bill Gates! Yes, sir! Now they're talking about the great reset. Okay. Alright, come on, brother. Come on, brother. He finally gets to the great reset portion of the sermon after 30-some minutes. Come on, brother. The ones who have robbed from you. Right, right, right. Come on, brother. Right. The ones who are concerned that we don't have too many children. So we'll make a vaccination to make infertility more common. I mean, again, more things that I actually believe are happening, right? The ones who have abused the slaves. So let me see here. I'm over an hour and a half today. So I think I'm going to end it for now. I'll start right back at his great reset portion next time. Um, I hope that this is helpful. I, uh, 
there's a lot of nothing in these in these in these messages is what I'm is what I'm getting you know but I want to show them in context so that you don't think I'm skipping things over and manipulating it and trying to make him look bad so with that being said I think we have to listen to the whole sermon together even though there's not that much in them there's a lot of rallying and revving people up and when he gets to bible verses they're not very good they're not he's not using them properly and again he is directing people to his church leaving his church is a sin leaving his church is like eating of the fruit in the garden and it's not it's not good it's evil to even look for answers elsewhere that's what we've learned from this um i did notice some pushback in the comments a little bit but that that is okay um thank you someone is complimenting me i am not fishing for compliments i really do hope that what i'm doing isn't a waste of time today and it is helpful to somebody uh, because because it is hard to go through these sermons and look for these issues i hope that it is accurate and that i'm also not misrepresenting them even if even if i do think they're theologically a cult i want to make sure that i understand what he's saying and what he's teaching his people that they need to believe i we want to be fair we want to be accurate we want to represent them clearly right so um i hope that i've done that and i will continue to keep going through this message and taking notes on uh on what i'm seeing hopefully i can do more of that this afternoon um it is a good rain day so it's a good day to just hang out inside and keep crushing his content uh, i might need to do some wife wife stuff you know like some some marriage stuff uh some parenting stuff um because <laughs> you know i'm a parent so hopefully i can keep plugging through this okay i am i'm glad that it seems to be helpful to people so i will keep plunking along um and i i hope again i hope that this has been helpful for you guys i will see you next time